Are you waiting until the last minute to seal a few secrets for 2020? Register for a Learning Trade Secrets workshop before they're all full. LTS is revealing secrets from the bench during the upcoming 2020 season, beginning with Fundamentals of Oil Varnish with Joe Robeson, March 1st to 6th. Learn a multitude of secrets about operating and maintaining a rental fleet with Chris Ulbricht, March 15th through 20th. If you're interested in bow making, join renowned bow makers David Forbes, March 22nd to 27th for frog and button making, followed by Introduction to Bow Making with Rodney Moore, March 29th to April 4th. Do you want to focus more on bow restoration? Consider Intermediate to Advanced Bow Repair and Rehabilitation with prominent bow maker and restorer David Orland, April 5 through 10. For more information on instructors and to apply for a workshop, visit www.learningtradesecrets.com. Everybody, welcome back to Omo. We're back from our winter break. How's it going? Hey, everybody. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jerry. Sorry if you guys missed us in January. We've been doing some planning for season two. Welcome to season two, episode one. Well, this is season two. This is season two, man. Oh, we made it. You got. I love you guys. Over Christmas break, my family got to go meet the Jacoby family and celebrate New Year's Eve together. And it was great. We only came back with a little bit of a virus. I mostly had a fever, like all the way through, you know, ringing in the new year. Oh, I had a fever while you guys were were there, so it's like I was there too oh, in spirit. It's a sympathy so. fever. Yeah. Was yours for more cowbell? Always, always for more cowbell. Yeah. Me too, buddy. I felt like we were more cowbelling together. Yes. I felt yes. that in my heart as well. I got to sit at a bench at Potter Violins for a day, and that was fantastic. Oh, it's really nice to have you, Rosie. Be around all these fantastically talented people. Uh, and Isaac. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, but I, I love you, Isaac. You're great. You know that. Oh, man. I, I gave Isaac a really hard time today, and he, he weathered it pretty well. I gave him like six instruments to finish in three hours and then criticized him on how he didn't get them finished oh, when he didn't get them finished. Yeah. Isaac, I'm so sorry. Isaac's a talented guy and a, and a lovely human being, so he didn't deserve my oh. my, uh, my shaming. Well, guys. <laughs> Coming up today, we have got a violin theft ring Ooh. in the South and how it all went down, courtesy of the wonderful and outrageous Pablo Alfaro. Outrageous. Yes. And if you recall, in our Oberlin episode last year, Jaime, Ga- Jaime Gonzalez, he made a claim about Pablo and we're going to give him a chance to respond to that. Oh, yeah. He he talked a, a bunch of smack. smack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anything else? Anything you guys want to say about instrument thefts? Just a, as a little teaser. Uh, protect your neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wu-Tang was very clear about that. Protect your neck. Um, I got your back, but you best to watch your front. 
it's the instrument thieves that front that be pulling stunts. I'm with you. I'm so with you. Got it. That all makes perfect sense. Hi, Homo Sapiens. Uh, just wanted to let you know that today we're being brought to you by an app called Encoda. That's spelled N-K-O-D-A. Encoda is a sheet music subscription service. So it's like a streaming service? If you've got an iPad or a smartphone and you don't want to be carrying around this random piece of music and this random piece of music, it's all there. They've got millions of pages, thousands of titles, hundreds of publishers. It's all right there ready for you. That's really pretty amazing. Uh, they'll, they'll give you a free trial. I'm going to sign up for that. Um, that's N-K-O-D-A. Uh, this is the, the future for musicians, you know, for, for people that are, are working for a living with instruments. Um, everything you want to find is right at your fingertips. And this app is a really great example of that. Now, what I like about this option as a music shop owner so I've got lots of music books that I sell to the kids, but I don't have the floor space to have those thousands of titles. It's much easier for me to stock the things I know are going to sell all day long. And then those little pieces of music, they're available in the ether, thanks to Encoda. Yeah, and the, the music shops of old are all closing, you know, so you you order stuff and maybe get a used edition in the mail. But if if you want really nice editions from Boozy and Hawks, Baron Reiter, Chester, Novello, etc., um, this is the way to go. I'm pretty excited about this app. Yes, and uh, they've received praise from Sir Simon Rattle and Ooh. Joyce Dinon. <laughs> Di Donato. Di Donato. <laughs> so uh, try them out. Go to your local um, app provider and <laughs> get yourself a free trial. Uh, app Store, that's what I'm trying to say. Go to an mm -hmm. app store today. Get your free trial. Try out Encoda or visit Encoda.com. That's N-K-O-D-A dot com. Guys, I have with me here Cody Sisk up from Denton, Texas. Uh, fellow luthier. Hi, Cody. How you doing? Doing well. How are you, Rosie? I'm great. So you had a stint in 2015 where you were working at Ronald Sachs shop in Lilburn, Georgia. Yes. And uh, something really iffy happened to you one day. Yes, it was uh, a very interesting situation. Um, it happened to be on a Saturday and it was a very, very busy day. Uh, there was lots of people in the shop and in walks this gentleman who was absolutely dressed to the nines. I mean, he was, he was very, very well dressed, really nice gray suit. It's very well spoken. Um, I think I overheard him maybe a couple of times, but, uh, another associate that worked there, um, I won't give his real name. Let's just call him Mike. Um, Mike approached him and I learned about this conversation later and there would be several things that he said that would really get me suspicious that, at the time, Mike was in his early 20s. He was a young kid. He really wouldn't have picked up on these things and didn't really have the experience in the industry yet to really do that. But uh, he was talking about how he wanted to buy a violin for his wife, and he wanted to buy it as a gift, and he was willing to spend in the neighborhood of $5,000. I mean, who in this business actually states something like that? I mean, have you ever had a customer just, you know, right off the bat, give you the budget they want to spend and the fact that they want to buy a violin at that level for somebody else. No, you have to pull that information out of them. 
It takes a while. Right. You have to pull that out of them, you know, and the player themselves, they, they, they have to try out the instrument. Mm-hmm. You can't spend $5,000 on a violin and not play it. Mm-hmm. So very suspicious. So Mike basically told him, you know what, I'm, I'm helping a couple of other people. I can help you in just a minute. We've got some of our violins at that price range over here. He kind of showed them. He showed the guy, you know, on the wall, some of the violins in that price range and left him be and was helping other customers. Meanwhile, as we saw on the cameras later, he's going through and looking at them and he'd pick one up and he'd look at the front and he'd turn it over and look at the back and then he'd hang it back up. I mean, he wouldn't even pluck the strings. I I don't think he knew how to even hold a violin, much less play it. Okay. And, um, went through several of them. And then at one point he picked up the Landolfi. Now at the time, Ron's kind of the guy, Ron Sachs is kind of the guy like, you know what? It's just a violin. He had it up on the rack with the other violins. I mean, most people with a violin that's worth $200,000, which is the Landolfi we had on the shelf. Yes. Um, would kind of probably have it in a case and, uh, you know, some sort of secure location. Um, that really wasn't Ron's philosophy, but he had a bunch of cameras in there. You know, he had a direct view from his shop into the showroom. He was confident that it was safe. And uh, at one point, this guy picks up the Landolfi and Mike comes back over concerned because he knew which one he picked up mm-hmm. and um, basically disclosed to him what it was and what it was worth. Oh, no. Before walking off and, you know, helping another customer. So, you know, the. The guy had his uh, had an eye on this thing, a keen eye on this thing, and he hung it back up. And then he proceeded to look at another violin. And as he was looking at it, he was looking over his shoulder. He was kind of, you know, then the suspicious part of what he was doing started to take shape. Let me ask you, are you observing this at the time or is this later on when you were checking tapes? This is later. This is the. I, I, I want to reemphasize, I never saw the guy. Okay. I mean, as well-dressed as he was, mm-hmm. as much of a presence visually as he was, he had some very, it, it was almost a skill set of blending in and not drawing attention to himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm basically regurgitating this based on camera footage. Well, he picks up another violin much less of a value of violin. I think it was even a rental that was just out there. And he looks at it and then he kind of looks around and then he grabs the Landolfi Mm -hmm. and he puts this other violin in the place of the Landolfi. Of course. And then, uh, you know, while looking around some more, he decides he needs to use the restroom, which is right around the corner from where that um, display was. Goes into the restroom ends up putting the violin inside of his suit jacket in some sort of special hanger and walks right out the front door. Wow. Yeah. Um, Now, this is where Mike, uh, I got to give him a lot of credit because he immediately noticed. Okay. Where's the Landolfi and starts freaking out. And uh, that's when we, you know, we all went into action. At that point, we knew it was gone. Um, We, I started pulling camera footage and as soon as I did, as soon as we saw everything that transpired, we were getting it, you know, onto a thumb drive. The police had already showed up who were actually kind of mocking us in that we were saying how much this violin was worth. And they were there's no way that that violin is worth that much money. <laughs> That's 
that, you know, Ron's digging in his safe and he's producing papers and he's saying this is absolutely what it's worth and this is why. And um, while this is going on, I'm pulling camera footage. Mike is in the back, you know, in tears. Of course. Because he thinks this whole thing is his fault. And basically at that point, something uh, something really cool happened in that we started getting on the phone with the other shop owners in the area. Um, our competitors who, you know, of course, we're fierce competitors. We don't talk to one another. You know, there's whispers and things that happen in the back about, you know, how much better we are than they are. Yeah. All of that was erased and just evaporated. And we all came together to catch these guys. Mm-hmm. And we started taking, uh, you know, little uh, snippets out of the video, you know, some still shots and whatnot and sending them to everybody. Yes. Uh, Ron's Ron's on the phone. And at the same time, I'm, you know, furiously trying to, you know, email all these people that he's talking to on the phone. And uh, we end up talking to another uh, shop owner that's probably the closest one geographically to us. Uh, that was uh, Huthmaker Violin. And uh, yeah, he ended up coming into their store with the same pitch. And uh, they sent a picture to us. Hey, is this the guy you're talking about? And sure enough, it was. And this was the same day. Now, at some point, I think they tried to call the police. They tried to stall the guy and he got spooked and he ran off. Um, they even tried to go find the, uh, the license plate on his car. And he was he was out of the area before they could even do that. So this was the big day when everybody realized what was going on. The Violent Society of America was notified and they posted a warning for shop owners on Facebook uh, for the Southeast United States. There's an organized violin theft ring in operation. There was a short description of three possible men involved, shops they have visited, their style of hanging them inside their coat. Also noted some of the violence taken. And to call the police if they come to your shop and, if you can do so safely, stall them. Stay tuned. We'll be back as soon as you can sand your fingerprints off with that belt sander. Hey there, Bench Monkeys. This episode is brought to you in part by House of Note out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, a full-service violin shop and the largest in the state in operation since 1959. From the beginner student to the fine player, House of Note has a mantra of violins for everybody. Violence. Not violence. Violins for everybody. House of Note wants you guys out there to know that, yes, they do sell modern makers' violins. So if you're looking to sell your next piece, look these guys up. Happy 60th year of Operation House of Note, and here's to 60 more. Welcome to OMO, the romance and reality of violin making. Joining me today is my co-host, Jerry Lynn. Hey, Rosie, how's it going? Good. You're out of lovely Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And you are out of Richardson, Texas. You got it. So we have today the infamous Pablo Alfaro. The man, the myth, and the legend. (laughs) Of Alfaro Violins in Atlanta, Georgia. Pablo. Hello. Hello. You have received 42 violin making medals. Is that still accurate on your website or is there more than that now? Yes. uh, Well, First off, thank you very much for the invitation. Oh, sure. I'm very, very happy to be here with you both. Very exciting to share some of my experiences in my world. And yes, the 42 awards, yeah, they are accurate. Well, I just want to brag on you a little bit more. Um, 
You are known for singing just about everywhere you go. You have gorgeous varnish work. You draw fantastic caricatures, and uh, you keep a whoopee cushion on you pretty much at all times. Um, yes. Jerry, would you add anything to that list? I would say that Pablo is an expert cook and just yeah. a, a general connoisseur of life. I think what the French would call a, a bon vivant. I mean, <laughs> he... Mon Dieu. <laughs> yeah, hello to all of our French listeners, which there are quite a few. Yes. Anyhow, <laughs> I, uh, I think Pablo is just... He throws himself with a great amount of passion into everything that he does. And it shines through. His instruments, when you look at them, they've got a lot of personality. You can see Pablo in one of Pablo's violins, and it makes my heart sing. Pablo, you've got a wonderful monster story for us tonight. Take us to the day where a suspicious fellow entered your shop for the first time. Well, yes, this was in the year 2015. I work by appointment only. My shop is at the very end of the backyard of my house. I usually schedule new customers whenever I have one of my assistants or a student or another customer that I already know, just to be cautious. Well, I get many phone calls to, to get appointments, uh, could be for you know, repairs, restoration, appraisals, or they want to sell something, whatever. And I got a call from this guy. Actually, he left a message. He wanted to sell a couple bowls, and he tried to describe them with the wrong kind of wood. And, okay, it was just one more customer. But, well, eventually, we talked on the phone. We made an appointment. And probably one hour before the appointment, he called me again and he changed the time, which I'm not happy with because I have some other, some other customers or with new customers, I want to be kind of with somebody else. Yeah, that's hella annoying when that happens. Yeah, man. Well, finally, he called me something like 30 minutes before he had to be here. And I said, okay, come, come over. Let's see what you have. So he came here with uh, two bows and a violin. The violin was a German instrument, modern German instrument. Probably uh, the price of that instrument would be around 4000 uh, And copper bows, a Brazilian bow, uh, for 1300 And uh, another German bow, older, probably close to 2000 and um, he entered the shop and he started looking around. He asked me questions about what I have here. And, uh, and I don't like that. Yeah. Especially if I don't know the customer. He had a story about how he came across these instruments. Yes. Um, he told me, well, I always ask if they want to sell something, where they got the instruments from and things like that. And he told me, well, I am a, guitar teacher and one of my students is paying me with uh, instruments, paying me the lessons with instruments. So I was like, wow, you might be mm -hmm. a fantastic player and very expensive teacher. <laughs> so I, I asked him, so how much do you want for all, 
those things. And he asked something like probably a thousand dollars for everything. Huh. So I knew that he didn't even know what no. what he was talking about. I tried to ask a little bit more, but he was kind of uh, not very cooperative. And then I said, well, I can offer you 700 for everything. And he said, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wrote a check. And what was the name that was on the check for him? Steve Sincere. Steve Sincere. Yes. <laughs> Is that actually his name or was it an alias? Because uh, well, if it's an alias. Jerry, Jerry, we're going to find out. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, actually, I thought, well, this is my lucky day. I am going to make a big profit selling those things. Uh, I made a copy of the check and he left with the check and I kept the instruments. Then I went online to find out about this guy. And uh, I I checked the public records and he had been arrested twice. Mm. For one was driving drunk or something like that. And the other time, because he stole something. I really want to make a joke about the sincerity of Yes. (laughs) So what I did was uh, to call the police. And when the police arrived, I said, okay, I just got uh, those two bows and this uh, violin from this guy. This is the name. And I just want you to know and let me how to proceed. Okay. So the police officer told me, well, um, the guy is not here. We cannot do anything. Uh, and unless somebody is looking for those instruments that you that you got, uh, then you have to return them. But for now, there is nothing to do. Okay, thank you. And I thought, okay, uh, if this guy is a, a thief, then I'm going to catch him. You're going to catch him? Yes. <laughs> okay. It was just a matter of time before he, he would come back. He would come back. A few weeks later, I was uh, online checking my Facebook account, and I, and I read that some instruments were stolen from different shops in the south of the country, uh, in North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, things like that. I was curious about what instruments they stole, but I didn't see a list of instruments. And I was reading the moment that this guy arrived to my shop with no appointment, with a violin in his hands. I'm sorry, he arrived in your shop what? With a violin in his hands. Okay. Also with no appointment. Okay. Which I don't like. Yeah. I I only work work, uh, by appointment only. So... I opened the door and I told him, look, of course, I was expecting to see what instruments were stolen. Uh, uh, but I didn't know at that time. So I told him, you know, uh, I work by appointment only. I cannot see you right now. I am in the middle of a difficult restoration, a surgery, and I need to concentrate on that. <laughs> and... Uh, his life is on the line. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Pablo was in the house. 
<laughs> Correct. <laughs> and then if you want to see me, come back on Monday at 2 p.m. But don't change the schedule again. Okay. So he's going to come. Yes. He's going to come Monday at 2 p.m. Yes. What's your plan? Uh, well, this was a Friday. And by then, I, I by Monday, I already had the list of the instruments that were stolen. So I thought, okay, to catch this guy, I need my two students here. So I called them and I told them what we would do. These are violin-making students, correct? Yes, correct. And they are adults. So I didn't want to risk anybody's life. Yes. I told them, you know, uh, one of the violins that was stolen is a violin made by Philips, a maker, uh, 19th century maker in Boston. Okay. Mm. And there were many other instruments uh, stolen, but, well, that's the name I remember. And I told one of my students, Christian, I told him, if, if you hear that I say Philips, you go out and you call the police. Yeah. And while we were waiting here, we had uh, our knives in our aprons, just in case. <laughs> you had knives in your aprons. We didn't know what was happening. <laughs> uh, are we talking single bevel, double bevel? <laughs> yes, all of them. Pointy bridge knives. All of them. An assortment of knives. Yes. <laughs> and we were we were ready for whatever. I, I even had a an episode of the Wild Wild West TV show on my computer just to get in the mood of being a secret agent. (laughs) (laughs) We were just waiting. Double O Pablo. (laughs) Yes. It was 2 p.m. that Monday, and the guy came here. And he was a little uh, surprised that I had two more people here but they were working on their own projects and nobody even looked at him. So so I told him, okay, what do you have? Well, my student is paying me again. Okay, let me see. So I opened the case and it was this Philips violin. So I said, ah, it looks like a Philips. Let me check. Christian went out to call the police and I was just uh, buying time looking online for more instruments like that. You're just stretching it out. You're just going into one rabbit hole after another. Yes. Of how this violin looks. Correct. And the label was a little broken. And <laughs> and the guy wanted just, okay, uh, just give me whatever, how much it is. No, maybe 4,000. Okay, uh, just give me 2,000. Well, wait, because <laughs> I don't know if this is an original instrument. And I was trying to show to my other student the differences between the pictures and the instrument. And the Steve guy was very, very uh, anxious and the police didn't arrive. And I was texting Christian, where is the police? Where is the police? We need them here. So it was probably 10, 15 minutes. I mean, to me, we're like three hours. Sure. Uh, until finally Christian arrived with a police officer. Okay. So the, the police officer came here. The Steve guy, he was pale, like a white wall. Like a white wall. He wasn't expecting, he wasn't expecting the, the police officer to be here. And he told me, 
So why did you call the police? And I told him, well, you know, if your student, uh, the, the instrument you just brought here has been reported that it's stolen, and uh, if your student is paying you with stolen instruments, you are mm-hmm. a big problem. And I don't want to be in problems either by stolen instruments. So I explained everything to the police officer. We called the shop where the instrument was stolen from, and the police officer checked this guy to see if he had uh, any uh, guns or things like that, and he asked him for an ID, and this guy said, no, I don't have any ID. You don't have a driver, driver license? No, I don't have one. Okay. So while I was outside of my shop talking the phone to, to the other shop, one of my students who was inside of the shop with this guy texted me and he said, well, he's trying to hide something in one of his socks right now. Oh. Okay, so I called the police and I told him, you know, maybe I'm gone, we don't know, let's see. So we enter and he checked the guy again and it was uh, his wallet with... Uh, with a driver license, but the driver license was fake. Was it his Steve Sincere driver's license? Yes, <laughs> right. Oh. It was sincerely fake. <laughs> so nice. the police officer took his wallet, his car keys, and put them on my bench. And then the police officer said, okay, stay here. I will come back. So I just want to clarify he did not confiscate the keys or the wallet. He set them in your shop, and then the police officer left. Correct. Whoa. Okay. And then we were just pretending that we were working. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was very upset. It took forever until something happened. And what happened next is that this guy got up, took his wallet and his car keys, and ran his car. And here I am, just like James Bond, running after him with my two students Mm -hmm. with me. And uh, when he was opening the door of his car, I literally flew like uh, one meter to close the door of his car when he was trying to escape. I was doing that when the police officer came back and the police officer said, okay. I said, nobody move everybody back to the shop. <laughs> so here we go back to the shop. And, and probably a couple minutes later, the police officer came back with the detective. Oh, a detective. Yes. So I talked to the detective outside of my shop. And um, then he came in, asked some questions to the this guy, and then arrested him. Mm. They took the violin with them and put this guy in prison. Because of this, they knew that they were a couple more people, members of this stream, and they caught them trying to steal instruments from other shops here in Atlanta. And they discovered that they were renting a motel room and they were using it as a storage 
and the the room was full of stolen instruments from shops and music stores. They had uh, guitars, flutes, horns, violins, violas, cellos, everything that they have been stolen. Wow. And well, that's uh, almost the end of the story. I, I remember, well, I I really like the James Bond movies and I thought that it would be really cool to be a hero one day, <laughs> but I didn't really enjoy the experience. So you're going to just go back to simple violin making? Yeah, well, or the girls think, but not, not the, the thieves. <laughs> oh, so there you guys have it. That's the story of Steve Sincere and the theft ring. The police are led back to a hotel room in Roswell, Georgia, one of those extended stay places, and the room is full of instruments, violins, flutes, guitars, trumpets, things that can easily fit under a coat, the Saks Violin Shop gets their violin back one week later. Hi, this is Maya Smith, and this is Listener Feedback. Guys, we did the December episode, Body Ruin, and we got a lot of feedback. A lot of people had stuff to tell the three of us personally. Um, I did get two emails of note I'd love to go over. This one says, I particularly wanted to comment on the two recent episodes in which you have discussed health matters both mental and physical, and to offer another perspective. My experience is that Luthery has offered nothing but health benefits. I lead a fairly unhealthy professional life. Too many hours at the computer, lots of sitting in meetings, too many sandwich lunches, and perhaps the gin to tonic ratio at the end of the day is not as it should be. <laughs> but when I get to spend time in the workshop, I enjoy the feeling of having used some muscles, which uh, are normally idle. And invariably, I find that after concentrating on some sawing, planing, or gouging, my mind is clearer, and I feel mentally refreshed. None of this is to take away anything of what you guys were saying about the physical dangers of full-time Luthery or the mental stresses involved, but just a reflection of my own experience. Keep up the good work on Omo. Continue to let me dream that the real me is a violin maker trapped in another profession. <laughs> Sandy from Scotland. Love it. I love that. Yeah. It it was so nice to get this and realize, you know what, I am really lucky. I'm really lucky that I get to sit at a workbench most days. Uh, yeah. And thank you, Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. You're so right. What are we griping about? <laughs> I think it's a question of balance. That guy seems like he's got sure. balance from working at a workbench. There's days when I wish that I had nothing to do with violins and I could go sit in a boring meeting and <laughs> clear my mind from what's on my workbench. So, man, it goes both ways. You know what? I saw Sandy and I thought it was a girl. Do you think it's a guy? Sandy, I'm sorry. Either way, you're perfect. You're wonderful. Why did you assume their gender? I, I know. I shouldn't make those assumptions. Yeah. They Those people are all perfect as just as they are. Okay. I imagine that uh, that if Jerry wasn't doing this, he'd just like be a cam girl and he'd be like in a speedo reading poetry and he'd be making so much money. Nobody just, wants to see that. But do they want to hear it? Just lots of ribbon. <laughs> lots of ribbon. Okay, so the next email. <laughs> I was flattening a new 
Chella back while listening to your episode featuring my old friend and mentor, David Weeby. It reminded me to notice all my various pains I was feeling while humping my four and a half inch plane across some vicious curly maple. After nearly 40 years as a luthier, mostly making and fixing bases, I thought I'd compile a list of my work-related injuries for you guys. Back. Oh, this is Arnold, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> Arnold Schnitzer is such a great luthier. Sorry, go ahead. This is miscellaneous spasms and the usual old guy disc issues. I also play golf and, and used to play competitive racquetball, neither of which is especially back-friendly. Leaning over a base, especially working inside with the top table removed, can be torturous. Shoulders. Two issues of shoulder pain. One impingement and one long episode of frozen shoulder. Ah! <laughs> Adhesive capsulitis. Yes. That was the worst pain I've ever endured. I wonder if that's what I had. Mm. God. Um, I hope not. Because it was the worst pain I've ever endured. Uh, I'm talking about the sadistic physical therapist <laughs> to whom I am grateful as heck for keeping me away from the surgeon's knife. My language during said therapy is legend at that office. Hands. Some arthritis in the hands. Various knife, chisel, and gouge injuries. No power tool injuries. Yay. One very bloody straight chisel deep into the mm. palm episode. Wrist. Repetitive motion tenderness, but no surgery yet. Elbow, recurring tennis or golfer's elbow. Neck, soreness, mild pain, and loss of range of motion. Oh, man, I know that one. Ankle and knee. <laughs> Unspecified arthritic pain, which I attribute to years of standing on hard surfaces. Keeps going. Although I have plenty of aches and pains, I consider myself super healthy for my age, 66 and counting. I attribute that to good physical conditioning, eating well, lots of stretching, and a little yoga. Ah, the yoga does it. Uh, also, I did a lot of illicit drugs in my youth, which I believe killed just the right number of useless brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up with the great and fun podcast. All the best. Arnold Schnitzer. Did I say that right? Yeah, thanks, Arnold. Still dependent on you guys to pronounce these names right. <laughs> Thank you, Arnold. I'm glad you're healthy. <laughs> he's, he's made a ton of instruments, a ton of nice instruments. He recently told me that I needed to move to the high desert if I wanted to stop being a sick puppy all the time. And mm -hmm. I came from the high desert. I don't know. That's right. You did. What? Okay. Just because it's like mold free. Is that what is the deal there? Yeah, I don't. I, it's, I, there's something about it. I'm not clear. All right. All right. What are we covering coming up? Something sexy? Very sexy subject. Are you ready? I'm ready. Chemical safety. <laughs> Guys, what's some of the stuff you handle out there regularly that's got you worried? D's. Mm -hmm. Wait, what? <laughs> no, they. What'd you say? <laughs> got him! Snakes. What preventative measures do you take to keep your fingers from corroding right off your hand? <laughs> All you Arnolds out there that have been doing this for 40 years, have you seen more chemical safety precautions happen at the bench, or is it just as bad as ever? We want to hear from you. Mail at omopod.com or call the Omophone. The Omophone is lonely. The Omophone wants to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. Omophone number 240 686 5345. 
That's mail at omaha.com or the Omaha phone is 240-686-5345. Not available in California, Hawaii. Or- May cause cancer. The Oma sapiens are waiting to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> For all you Oma sapiens out there, keep your blades and your aprons and your eyes on Steve Sincere. And this is Dakota. Dakota. I do have uh, one more thing I want to ask you about. Um, so over the summer, we did a live recording at um, Oberlin. And of course, you told us this like wonderful, delightful story. And immediately after that, Jaime Gonzalez um, got on and basically just called you a liar and uh, said you were abusive. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity to respond to that. Uh, who is Jaime Gonzalez? <laughs> is that a good answer? Or? Yeah. It's a perfect answer. Oh, yeah. he, he will like this. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you once again. You, this is perfect. Thank you very much, Rosie, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. And you are doing some fantastic uh, work trying to share everything about violin making. And, uh, well, I hope to to see you soon. And also, if if I can share something else with you guys, I will be more than happy. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to OMO. OMO is produced by Rosie Deloach, Chris Jacoby, and Jerry Lynn. Music is by Invoke Sound. This episode is edited by Jason Peoples. Like the show? You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at OMO Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us with your thoughts, questions, or ideas at mail at omopod.com. Wait, say the word sentence again. Sentence. <laughs> Hi, Jason. Hi, Jason, listening. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Put that in a song and smoke it, Jason. Well, I'm trying, but I keep dying from the plague instead of doing stuff. I did. I like hung leather around myself it's because I am a man of, of the hills. Yeah. <laughs> you and your hung leather. And- yeah, yeah. I'm, try- I'm trying to trying to make fiddles in here. You know, those you know it makes me feel tactile and informed. He's so going to use this at the very end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in a song and smoke it, Jason. <laughs> I've been really trying, baby. Go on. And if you feel like I feel, mama, hold back this tone wood for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just like, you know, shopping for varnish supplies. <laughs>